welcome to Offwatch, a podcast by the Ocean Race. So far, we've had a chance to relive those final 15 minutes and last few miles of the last edition, where three boats effectively tied on points could have walked away with the overall trophy. Charles Cordrelia on Dongfeng Race Team has given us his take on what happened and why they went inshore. Plus, Shabby Fernandez on board Mafre talked us through his approach. And also, Bauer Becking from Team Brunel gave us some ideas as to why they felt their route was going to be the quickest. But there was one other big story about the last edition that we wanted to tell. Team Brunel, certainly in the first few legs, were underperforming. And a lot of people started to write off the Dutch team as a chance for the podium, let alone for the overall but then, incredibly, they managed to turn it all around. Well, today we're going to hear from somebody on the inside of the team as to how that managed to happen. During the last edition of the race, Team Brunel did not start strong. The first few legs, they were way off the pace, possibly just outclassed by their rivals. The possible low point for them was coming into Auckland. They were last on the water and by some margin. Then something changed. The next four legs were a complete turnaround. Four strong results, two of them victories. And that put them in contention for that final showdown in The Hague with the possibility of walking away with the overall trophy. So what happened? Well, it's never just one thing, but a lot has been made about my guest today. And Mareg von Boxel. This is the team's sports a psychologist, a coach, if you will, somebody who is there to work with the team and get the best from themselves, or as Bauer Becking describes, our secret weapon. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me. It's a role that I think a lot of people don't know much about. And certainly for those of us that have been following the race, it exists under the radar. We don't get to see it. Um, But just describe for us, if you can... Sailing as a sport, the ocean race as a challenge, I imagine as somebody like yourself having to work with professional athletes, there's a lot for you to do. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot to do. And uh, it's lovely to do because uh, it's an honour to work with um, <clears throat> global ocean sailors. Um, yes, there's a lot to do, and the lovely thing about it is that you can work in the system and strengthen the whole system. So it is about coaching the crew members, it is about coaching the leader, the skipper, and it is about coaching the team. Um, and you could visualize that when you visualize three circles and you would draw them through another. Um, you will immediately understand that, as in businesses, uh, the leader, the skipper, is responsible for well-being and performance uh, to grow that in his crew members. And um, the crew members make the leadership of the skipper possible. And both of them do have responsibility to strengthen, to, to make this team thrive. And as a coach, as a team coach and leadership coach, Uh, you can help and assist and facilitate in all those three circles. So there's a lot to do, and it is really great to do that. And I'm sure you can't summarise it all for us in a 45-minute conversation, because, I mean, you know, this is something that you have been working at for a long time. You know, you went to university, you've been working in the corporate world, 
since 92 as a consultant and then leadership management. But of course, in the sporting world, it wasn't just the last edition of the Ocean Race because you were involved with Team Brunel in the 14-15 edition. Just um, explain to me, how did that come about? Did you think sailing, that's a good challenge, or did someone come to you? Yeah, well, uh, what happened is that um, Bauer Becking uh, asked me as his mental coach uh, because he felt in that edition sailing design and having two under 30s on the crew, um, he could use some extra coaching, uh, reflection, uh, mirroring on his leadership skills. Uh, and I think that's really brave because uh, Bauer Becking being gold in global ocean sailing, um, it is really brave to put a head on as a leader saying, uh, I have to keep learning. Oh, when, I, when I stop le learning, I need to find myself another profession. And in that perspective, he's a, a walking example for his crew members because when the leader wants to learn, he sets the bar for his crew members that uh, learning is key. And you have to keep learning, especially during the race. Otherwise, you will say uh, sail in the back of the fleet. So he asked me to be his mental coach and we kind of crafted uh, during the first legs of the race to find out how this coaching relationship could look like because it was kind of new mental coaching in the ocean race and um, uh, Bauer had to, to, to trust me and I had to find myself a way to work with him to, on leadership, to work with the crew members on personal leadership and later on I was allowed to work with the team as an entity too. So that's how. And I imagine as well, I'm like you say, you've worked with top athletes, you've worked with top executives and, and, and leaders in all sorts of fields. But what about sailing? Because sailing has its own language. Did you come to this with an experience of sailing or did you have to learn those words as well? Obviously, you have to learn a lot of language. And as in uh, coaching leaders in, uh, in corporates, uh, you have to know uh, what the team is about. So uh, it was good that I knew something and I kind of grew into it. Um, and there's a big difference, of course, uh, in coaching global sailors um, instead of executives and teams in, in businesses and organizations. And there's a lot of communalities because um, in the end, we are all human beings. And we have to, to cope with the ambitions and stress and winning and losing. And so, um, and, and it's especially nice to work with sailors because um, I work with other top athletes too. And um, I feel in sailing, especially in ocean racing, uh, it is about themselves, personal leadership, and it's about each other. So the only way to get the best out of yourself is to get the best out of each other. And I love working in that system. And I can imagine as well that certainly offshore sailing, round the world sailing, with the challenges lends itself really strongly to being mentally tough. The 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 world that they're sailing in, as as you know, as what you've written about, it's volatile, it's uncertain, it's unknowable. I mean do you did you did you know about the challenges that the sailors were going to face, or was it more a case of I'm going to prepare you because we don't know what the challenges are? 
Now that's it. Huh? And in, in that perspective, uh, it works for, for sailors in the ocean race and it works for, works for executives in, in the global corporates nowadays. Uh, the FUCA world, the complexity and the uh, uncertainty and um, not being not uh, able to, to predict what is happening, uh, that's, that's absolutely the same. The only thing is, uh, sailors have to trust each other with their lives and in corpus we don't. Um, in corpus we can go home in the evening and uh, one important thing about re resilience, mental toughness, is your social context. Um, when you go home every evening you have social context to strengthen your resilience at work but also at home and with your friends and in the sports and and when you're sailing the ocean race, um, the only social context you work with is, is in the boots, um, is your team. So it puts the bar higher and um, it underlines the important, importance of families and friends during the race. So they are always part of the system. And in that perspective, always part of the coaching too. Okay, so how do you go about it then? Because if you were coaching... Um, a, a sailor in terms of their sail trimming skill, you'd be able to measure it. You could see how fast did you go? How in control was the boat? How did it feel? How did it perform? You have specific data. How do you step on board a boat and go, okay, I now know that you're here and you need to be here. What's the secret? <laughs> well, there are a lot of secrets. And <laughs> at the same time, it isn't a magic stick. Um, uh, you can do a lot. You can gather data um, uh, from tests and stuff. You can talk with each other. And most important, you can work with each other. Because it's not that important that the coach gathers all the data. It is really important that the crew members, the, the skipper and the team gathers all the data. So um, when you help a, a team thrive, it is about getting to know yourself, getting to know each other. Um, uh, the most difficult thing of working in a team when it's when the going gets tough, uh, it is that you have to know how to collaborate, you have to know how to handle yourself, and you have to know how to, how to handle each other. Uh, to get the best out of the performance, even when the going gets tough. So there's a lot around um, getting to know each other's intentions, being able to predict each other's behaviors in good, good times and when the shit hits the fan, and to know a lot about uh, each other's expertises and respect them. Because as in other things, um, the teams in the ocean race are extremely diverse, uh, not only in gender, but also in age and nationality and background and, and behavioral styles and viewing and um, gremlin saboteurs in everything. So getting to know each other's intentions, getting to being able to predict each other's behaviors and respecting each other's expertise makes it possible to work this diversity and to design an alliance in a team to, to kind of know um, how everybody is aligned in a way of behaving that strengthens the team, a team compass, a team identity. And that's where I start. 
uh, when I coach a team, is designing this alliance together. That sounds like something that you would aim to do long before the race begins. But of course, in, in well, it, that was going to be what I was going to ask because in the last edition, Team Brunel was a little bit late to the race compared with certainly with compared with the, some of the other teams. Um, when you joined, what was that cohesion like? Was there something there to work with or, or was it a case of, I'm going to have to build this up quickly? Yeah, you know what it is. Um, uh, when you start out in a race really late, um, uh, the first things you look at is um, the hardware, the boots, the sails, the... Uh, and then roles and functions and people uh, to hire, and then strategies and data and interpreting data and stuff like that. It is always the first stuff sailors look at, like in corporates, it's the, it's the first things we are going to work our heads off about. Um, and then when that kind of is arranged, uh, we tend to look at behavioral patterns, at collaboration, at designing alliances, at uh, working together, at getting to know ourselves before we get to know each other. So when we started out in the last race, um, we had a lot of work uh, getting this boot organized and get it into shape and getting the stuff and the people. And and then we when we started the race, we still had a a huge team of people who couldn't sail all the legs. So we kept on swabbing team members. And and uh, so on the one hand, the team was busy doing that. And on the other hand, um, I tried anything to step in and kind of make this those different crew members a team. But it was difficult, as you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> They get into got into shape, getting to know each other. We find ourselves the best crew members in this team collaboration. We we learn to sail the boats. Uh, a lot of stuff happened the first half of the race, um, but because they finished so dramatically in Auckland, um, and everybody was really really well, hopeless about it and angry and, well, they were really down there. For a mental coach, uh, it is a possibility um, to get a lot of space to work on this team identity, to, to, to build this team to compass together. Because uh, when it is really, really awkward uh, and you tried anything as a team, um, well, they were open to dive deep. So, so as in, if they had finished fourth, 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 fourth across the first few legs, they might not have been quite so open. So, in a sense, that because then in Auckland they wouldn't still have podium places, and they were yearning for that. And the bar was over here, so they would have. But what I wanted to say is um, um, you try all the other stuff before you take time to dive down deep psychologically. Because as human beings, we, we, we always find that uh, difficult and 
something to avoid and and it is easier to work on the stuff you really knew to work on your skills and experience in sailing in this case and in businesses it is your skills and experience in in selling or or managing or stuff like that so yeah there needs to be some urgency to dive deep and and i mean it's important to point out that you didn't come in to the team in Auckland. You've been working with the team throughout the entire time. You've been flying to all the stopovers. Um, when you were going in to Auckland, and obviously you've been seeing the results, you might have even been um, receiving updates from the boat. You, know, you knew what the situation was. All of us would have been able to empathise and go, they're not going to be feeling their best. <laughs> do you do you at that point start rubbing your hands together thinking oh there's going to be so much I'm going to be able to do this is going to be a really interesting challenge or do you think oh this is going to be a hard day in the office oh well um I'm rubbing my hands together because of the challenge and uh my heart bleeds um because in the last race I wasn't able to be in every stopover for a long time uh, I only was there the last three, four days of each stopover. So uh, what you are able to do then is help the team getting their shit together and help them leave in the best possible way. Uh, in the race of 14-15, I was able to stand at the dock when they arrived from each leg, debrief them, um, um, knew what was uh, happening with the individual crew members and the skipper and between them during the leg, and then worked on that. And then they got on leave and relaxed and met their family. And, and when they came back, um, I could work on this mindset again to for the next leg. So... What we all do as human beings, when it has been tough, um, uh, it, is, it is necessary to debrief them at the minute because then you hear everything. Because it's there, they can let off steam. But if you aren't there, as human beings, we tend to push all those negative memories and awful feelings in our big toe. And when I arrived after 10 days, uh, it was deep down there and they weren't that, um, they didn't like it very much to, to, to mine it again and talk about it. So uh, that's the disadvantage of coaching in the ocean race when you're not there. And um, well, we knew how to work online nowadays, but uh, this difficult stuff, it is easier to talk about when you meet face-to-face -face, and especially when you don't sit and talk like we do now, but you work on the boat, you have lunch, you stroll through the race village and, and then you hear all those stories. So um, when I left for Auckland, I was rubbing my hands together and obviously I debriefed them on the, on the phone quickly, um, but my heart... Well, um, I felt for the team because as a good team coach, you're part of the team. So when they're not winning, you feel awful for them. Um, and at the same time, it's my motivation to work in whatever way, whatever possibilities I have uh, to step in and, uh, and do the work. Yeah, but this time um, the urgency for them was over here. So, uh, 
So we dove in immediately when I arrived. And where do you go digging? I mean, where do you ask the sailors? Because you were saying to them, you were saying that you, you know you get them to record data and, and everything else. And obviously, after a leg, navigator-wise, where well, you went there, the wind, the weather did this. We know what we might collect to to do a worthy debrief. What data is invaluable to you? Yeah, uh, two important um, sets of data. Obviously, uh, a set of data is about all the red system behavior. So what didn't go well? Um, Where weren't you in your best possible behaviors yourself? Uh, Where didn't the the collaboration work that much of that good? Um, with your crew members, with the skipper, uh, what were behaviors that weren't thriving the team, uh, were impeding the team? Uh, that's the, the red set of behaviors. Um, and on the other hand, and that is as important as the red set behavior, is the green set behaviors. It's about uh, what were those moments that you felt in flow, that you really did a good job? Um, what were those situations that the collaboration with your crew members or in the whole team went extremely well? Which behaviors do you recall from the skipper that helped you thrive or helped the team thrive? And when you have individual conversations with all the crew members and the skipper about those two sets of behaviors, um, I was talking to the skipper and of course everything is uh, anonymous. So I spoke with him about the patterns in reds and the patterns in green. And uh, this skipper, uh, when it's really necessary, he's really eager to learn and um, he dares to listen. So uh, I walked with Bauer, um, we ran, and during running, I told him uh, what the crew members uh, said about him, what were those patterns that they saw him doing a very good job in this team at this moment. And those patterns that, uh, well, they really could miss. And um, and then we had a big team meeting. And uh, what Bauer did was, uh, because as you know, leadership behavior is extremely contagious. So to create an open space in which we could design this green alliance, Bauer had to speak up and um, set the bar. And, and tell the crew members what he heard. So, and that's what he did. Um, he told them what he heard he should improve as a leader, as a skipper. And he asked them for what he needed in green behaviors to, to make this team performance better. And uh, when he set off, uh, we had a steaming afternoon in um, uh, having those talks, red and green, from all the crew members. And um, I worked my head off because as everybody does in teams, also in business and organizations, uh, we try to escape to talking about a new main or a different strategy or some safe avoiding mechanisms not to have this extremely difficult talk 
um, because you have to be vulnerable and you have to speak up and be open. And uh, but they did, um, and not that they are not uh, brave enough to do stuff like this. But uh, sports people, as our executives, aren't used to talk about stuff like this. So you you have to reflect on yourself and on each other and find vocabulary and and do it in a very respectful way. So um, there are conflicts and there's a lot of stuff happening and you have to manage that and and have to manage that together. Uh, And we came off from that meeting kind of designing an alliance or having those values at place that worked for each and everybody to make team performance possible. And then we set out for a practice race and uh, I talked with Cape Youth, Andrew Cape, uh, who isn't much of a talker, people say. I don't agree because um, he's extremely good in, in, in conversations about this stuff and he feels it's really necessary and he does, he knows how important it is. Um, and then we, we made a little team compass, a few words uh, that were key for the uh, for the Designed Alliance in this team. And they, uh, they clued it to the boots. And uh, we kind of trained those behaviors in this practice race and in the days we had left before they, uh, they left for the next leg. And, um, and when you have this in place, it is really nice to do the debriefings, both in red and in green, but on the focus of in green, to help them to improve those excellent behaviors uh, and make this learning curve go steep again. And that's, I feel, well, it's what the team feels that happens after Auckland. Did you get a chance to see the difference um, before the boat left on the next leg? Because... Obviously, they're not under the same pressures and same challenges. They're not tired. They're not hungry. They're not scared. All those things that are going to knock you off a stride. But did you get a chance to push the boat off the dock and think, I, I can see that there is a little something, you know, that's changed, that's shifted, that, that there's a foundation at least that's been laid? You know, there's a foundation where you had those talks and you knew to how to hold each other accountable for it. When you talk about this, you create a, a space, a context, a container in which it is you are able to uh, hold each other accountable for it. So to reach out and uh, get your crew members where they are. So, of course, they left... Um, in a different space and then um, what they told me when they entered uh, Itajai um, finishing that that extremely harsh leg is that they found a way um, to to thrive the behaviors uh, that they pinpointed as green Um, And they found a way to hold each other accountable when those team patterns and individual red patterns popped up again. And they were able to to get them where they are and and ask them to get rid of those red behaviors and grow into the green behaviors. And especially KP did a good job uh, popping up uh, uh, on deck and... um, um, saying stuff like, "Are we still optimistic? <laughs> Are we still informed?" And um, 
So it kind of grew into a running gag, but they were able to talk to each other about effective behaviors and not go around it and uh, get annoyed about each other, which is really important. So that is handling red behaviors and handling green behaviors is even more important. It is um, complimenting each other, uh, celebrating when you see those behaviors you felt were key to, to grow as a team, to be successful as a team. So um, celebrating each other and celebrating those behaviors help people into results. So there. I mean, it's, it, it sounds like um, you have to have the athlete um, buying into this. You have to have the athlete wanting to go down this process. You know, you're very much getting the data from them and getting the techniques from them. Did you have anybody, maybe in Team Brunel or maybe just in with other athletes, have you ever had anybody that doesn't want to go down that process? Of course. When I started out uh, coaching Team Brunel in the race of 14-15, uh, Bauer said to me, just work with them and uh, don't have an opinion. And if you have one, don't share it. <laughs> spot on you know because this lady working with those guys and well they felt a little bit awkward so I just worked with them on the boat and, and we went out sailing and I had brief conversations over coffee and lunch and barbecue and and we lived in a very small holidays home back the homes um, back then for half a year and we had a fantastic shore crew um, organizing barbecues and um, doing a lot of stuff that helped them getting to know each other. So being there and being able to, to not in a really uh, psychological way, but just, just doing a lot of stuff, getting to know each other and subtitling what was going on, it helps. And one of them, uh, well, he wasn't such a talker back then. And uh, so I never um, uh, looked, looked him up to, to have those conversations. And after a week, he had asked for me, sitting at his navigation desk, saying, why don't you talk with me? You talk with everybody. And uh, I said, you wouldn't have said anything to me. And he said, well, I agree. But now I realize, I realize mental coaching is really important. Um, and he had a lot of examples from earlier races. He says, when it's uh, not going that well and you're losing, uh, people's heads um, and their brains focus on other stuff. And um, um, their wife that's pregnant or at uh, Olympics, they have to sail after the race. And when people's minds wander off, they aren't focused at sailing anymore. So you're really important. And from now on, I do want to talk with you. And that is what is, and that was the running joke between both of us when they were leaving for, for a leg. I always said, uh, hey, KP, no babies, no Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it became a running gag for the, for the team. So um, it is what it is. Uh, good coaching, it always starts with people must want to have those talks. Uh, when someone says you need to do it, it will never happen. And being a good coach is you have to find yourself a way to get trust, to get connected. 
and show people in the here and now on the spot that this will help them thriving uh, as a sailor, um, as a winning sailor and as a human being because it is about sailing, but it is about the people who sail and, um, and the team who sails. And as soon as they see that it works, they are totally enrolled. Yeah, and that's nice about working with sailors, about working with athletes. Uh, it takes some time to get this connection and to find trust, but when it's there, uh, you are allowed to hear and see everything. And that is way faster than what normally happens in boardrooms, because over there, we know how it works with coaches and training courses and reflecting on behavior. So we are way more aware what to share and what not to share. So uh, you have to keep on working in, in, in uh, making that space bigger all the time. So one of the things with Team Brunel, is, as we mentioned before, it was a team that got put together a little bit late. But one of the things that that meant was the America's Cup had already been completed, you know, Olympics, things like that. And so there were a lot more sailors that other teams might not have been able to think about that you know, Team Brunel were able to get, not least Pete Burling. Um, what was it like working with one side of the team that were all ocean racers? I mean, Barbecking's done the race, you know, eight times. And some people who were not ocean racers, very new to it. However, top athletes in their field. Yes. Well, I think it's a brilliant question um, because it happens in all teams. And talking about diversity, there was something around age youngsters and older uh, uh, people. And there was something around expertise because sailing ocean races is almost a different profession than sailing America's Cup. And it was so lovely that when those guys, um, the America's Cup guys came to the boat, uh, they were thrilled to sail ocean race and they were thrilled to learn from those ocean race sailors. Uh, because they said it is not Formula One, it's Paris Dakar, it requires different skills, uh, it requires um, different perspectives. So they were in for a lot of learning. What happened during the race is there was a lot to learn from the from this different expertise from those America's Cup people and between older people and younger people too. So um, uh, one of those examples is um, our navigator was sometimes grumpy because uh, the sailors were always on their phone. After Auckland, uh, KP decided to get the data uh, on the phone so everybody could tap in any moment, um, which was very useful. They didn't have to wake him up to get a number. Uh, that's one part of the story. And the other thing is, um, as of when uh, those youngsters grew into the ocean sailing, getting to know the boats, um, improving their skills enormously, because after all, it is a different profession, obviously. Um, and then um, I remember that there were situations uh, in which Bauer said, uh, Pete, 
um, is rolling out another sale, uh, making even more pace. And Bauer, who is responsible about safety, um, he rolled in another sale. So there was um, some difference between in, in leadership, in perspective, between them two. Uh, Pete sailing faster and faster and faster and Bauer knowing, especially in the first part of the race, that it was really dangerous and with the crew, not all of them really um, experienced with this type of sailing and this specific boat, uh, he had to take care, which is not a very nice role on the boat. Um, and I remember Pete saying once that he was sailing really nice and really fast and then something went wrong only a little bit and in hindsight he said my god that could have been a disaster because when this boat goes so fast something small happens and um, it could be the end so that is where in Hong Kong um, Pete and Bauer found each other uh, in, in a new way of collaborating that, that uh, they grew into. And starting from there, um, together with Kyle and KP and Abby and, well, with all the crew, uh, they designed a way of um, responsibilities and um, uh, designing green behaviors so they could add up best of both worlds. And that was intriguing to see the pace in which it happens, uh, the way how they found out what to use from America's Cup and to improve the ocean race sailing. Um, and uh, it is the same like those different perspectives in age and background and, and role of the boat. Um, when you add them up and you find each other and you are engaged enough to explore, listen to each other and innovate, create, learn from there, then teams are thriving and then learning curves are growing steep endlessly. It, it sounds, again, like that... Um... You, you, they have to realize they have to find their way they have to realize oh, hold on a minute that person's got something to offer me i've got to listen to them i've got to you know it, it wasn't something that you could say now remember we all have to listen to each other you know something has to happen for them to go yeah i can see it now i was pushing too hard or i wasn't listening yes and you have to explain Experiments uh, to explore, to, to try it out. But because this team started out so late, uh, there wasn't a lot of um, room to experiment, to try it out, to find data and what works but, uh, before the race. And when you do it during the race and you have to swap crew members and you do have a lot of inexperienced people on this specific boat during the race, you have to take care of the boats, of each other. So um, you need to, to uh, have some miles to make this perfect. And that is what uh, grew and happened during the race too. Yeah. I, I kind of liken Brunel's sort of second half of the last edition as, you know, that moment in a race where you've been behind um, and you're chasing your opponent 
and you're closing down with them all the way, but the finish line comes a little bit too fast. And you think, oh, if we'd only had another 50 meters worth of track, I would have been able to get to them. Um, in your in, in, from your inside view, if Team Brunel had another two legs to go, if it had just been a little bit longer, a little, you know, one and a half times around the world, would they've been able to sort of use that newfound form? Or was it a case of they were burning all the fuel to get to this perfect point and actually it, the race needed to end because everyone needed to oh, catch their breath? Or was it a case of, you know, we're formidable? I think it's it's both. Uh, they found their form, and that's why they sailed the second half of the race so very well. Uh, because realize when you're almost last in Auckland, um, you need to have a lot of resilience, um, mental toughness in the team and individually to to call back and and win and win and win and make very good legs. Um, the other part of your question, I feel is true too. Um, I already mentioned we hadn't the biggest budget in this campaign and we all knew what that means. So this team was really tired at the end of the race. They were. So um, if we had half time and they, I, I knew a lot of, well, they, they almost were, uh, yeah, well, they always almost won. I feel that they really had a, a equal chance to uh, to win this race at the end. Um, so I think both of your perspectives are true. A learning curve, when it grows steep, obviously it goes like this, yeah? because new, learning new behavior is really difficult and you fall down and you have to crawl up and try all over again. But when there's a lot of potential and you find yourself a team identity and a team compass to navigate on, uh, the learning curve will grow steep uh, till the minute um, the race ends, whenever. Yes. Did you, with everything that the team faced, with all the hardship and the results that just weren't coming for that first half, did you see anybody, you know, don't have to mention any names, did you see anybody on the team that lost their belief in themselves and thought, I can't do this, I'm, I'm not good enough? Yeah, well... Um... I have to recollect, but I don't feel I saw anybody losing self-confidence. I saw crew members at times losing the confidence in the team. Um, and that's what happens when you, uh, you're not winning. When you're losing, it's difficult to be a team member, isn't it? Mm. So when you're losing, often the red system kicks in. Uh, adrenaline, cortisol, stress, uh, and you tend to show red behavior. So blaming and shaming your crew members or losing hope or resigning emotionally. or And that's why it's so necessary to have this team compass, to, to know each other and to know how to get them where they are and, and bring them, them into green behaviors again. So we grew, we, we grew, we learned to do that. But I saw, yes, I saw crew members losing hope and um, 
Well, in Auckland, almost everybody was down there. Uh, and that's the really nice thing with athletes and with ocean sailors, that they will never quit. They, they won't. Um, they are there to be better sportsmen. They are there to grow their sailing skills and knowledge. And so, so they're always trying to, to work and to be better. So even if they are really down there, um, you can find their eagerness in there and help them finding their hopes and finding each other again. Yeah. One question that I that I have, I keep thinking here, is that you talk about the sailors needing to buy into it, needing to open up, and um, this idea of always wanting to learn something. What did you learn? What did you come away from from them? You know, is, is it a two way process? Yes, that is such a brilliant question. Um, you know what. Uh, First thing I want to say, and I said it already, um, what is important is that the skipper uh, trusts you and the skipper shows that he listens to you and is experimenting with new behaviors. Um, because leadership behavior is contagious. And when you see a leader uh, being vulnerable and try stuff out and, and um, making mistakes and putting up his hand and saying, I made a mistake, um, it kind of makes it easier for the crew. And that is absolutely the same with the coach. You can't expect people to learn and that you are the one who helps them learning when you don't learn yourself. That would be so easy. Um, it would be standing at the dock and saying, uh, shouting to people what to do. It doesn't work that way. So... I have to be vulnerable too and disappointed and and um, um, and they can learn me a lot too. So uh, we are both in there. And what I learned from, from coaching those sailors, uh, it is a lot about um, resilience and collaborating and I do a lot of talks for corporates and boardroom teams. And since the ocean races, I use the ocean race as a brilliant metaphor for teams working in this FUCA, this volatile, uncertain, complex and um, ambiguous world. Um, because those teams, they really collaborate. Um, and they make all this diversity work. Uh, they are humble, but they are small humans on a very small, on this big ocean. Um, they have individual aims and they tap into the collective aim. Um, they give each other podium. Um, it is about, hey, in team, there's no I, but there's a lot of me's in there. So, um, and that's why I feel that uh, ocean racing is a really good metaphor for teams in the now always constantly changing world. I uh, I think that's very nicely put, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people that follow the race would uh, uh, would agree with you. It, 
really fascinating to um, learn even more um, about what it takes to perform, not just in sport, but in this race as well, um, you know, with, with all the challenges. And thank you very much for uh, giving us even just a small glimpse as to the sort of things that you do behind the scenes. Thank you for your time. So welcome. Thank you.